As I read through the book of Judges this week, I found myself asking a few questions. Why would the Bible contain such trashy tales of dysfunctional characters? And who is it that's going to be able to love people like that, that are full of evil and full of injustice? Who is it that's going to be able to be patient and compassionate and loving towards people like that? The book of Judges is about a God who's compassionate and a God who's gracious and loving to even the most dysfunctional character among us. Well, welcome again to Journey Through Scripture. Today we're in the seventh of 66 books of the Bible. We're taking one book per week, and today's book is the book of Judges. And we're hoping to do two things each week. One is I want to give a narrative summary of that book. And then secondly, I want to choose a sample passage from within that book that's very relevant to us today. So why don't we get started here with our narrative summary of Judges. And we're basically asking of the book of Judges, as we've been asking of each of these books of the Bible, you know, what's the purpose for this book being written? Um, how would the Bible be any different if this book were not in the Bible? Who's the author? What genre is it? What are the major themes? What is the historical context? And how is it relevant to us today? So those are some questions uh, we're asking today. The genre is tragedy. Tragedy, written in historical narrative style. It is... Um, the author is anonymous, uh, although late Jewish tradition ascribes this book, book's author is Samuel, um, and that's possible. It's just that we don't know for certain who the author is. The book's name Judges. Now, I don't want you to think about some sort of courtroom judges judging God's people for uh, all of their failure and what they've done wrong. But the book's name, Judges, comes from the type of leaders that Israel had. They're basically temporary leaders uh, that were to govern these different tribes of Israel. A time clue for us is given in Judges chapter 1, verse 1, that says, after the death of Joshua. So the time period that's covered here in the book of Judges is after the death of Joshua, up until the entrance of Samuel into the story. And so Joshua, the book, um, the book of the Bible preceding Judges, Joshua leads God's people into the promised land. You, you remember Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that God's been promising his people to be their provider, be their deliverer, be, their, be the one who rescues them, and provide a land for them. And so finally, the book of Joshua, they, they enter that land. Uh, it began to show us that this story of God is going somewhere. And so uh, now here we are in the book of Judges. The people of God are settled in that land and, uh, and Joshua dies. And you, you'd think that after such an amazing gift of land and God's provision to be faithful to his promise. You'd think that after such an amazing uh, fulfillment of God's promise that these people, the Israelites, God's people, would 
want to devote their lives to, to God as a response to this covenant-making God. You'd think that that would be their response. And so, as we read the book of Judges, it, it actually should bring sadness to our hearts because that's not what happens to God's people. They have a divided heart. They're not fully devoted to God. And so just how quickly their hearts turn and they begin to wander from God, they begin to serve uh, false gods. And it's, it's, it's really sad because once they have a place to live and once their lives become regular again, they quickly wander away from God. I mean, that's a, a, a warning for us today as we're in pandemic, hoping, dreaming that life would get back to some sense of normalcy, right? Uh, well, the warning for us, as it is for these people here, is um, to not wander away from God. Don't forget who God is. And so the people of God begin to be attracted to the surrounding cultures, they begin to worship the idols of those cultures. And so that is basically what sin is in the Bible. It's wanting and desiring something else besides God himself. And so there's a war. There's a war for the human heart. There's a war for the soul of humanity that's always there throughout Scripture, you know, at street level. What are you going to worship? Who are you going to worship? Now, in the book of Judges, there's this repeating cycle, or if you need a picture in your mind, or if you're doodling right now as you listen to this, you should be drawing a downward spiral. There's this cycle that's happening throughout the entire book of Judges where there's sin, Sin happens. They start to worship and go after and serve the other, other gods, the other idols, and then there's oppression that takes place. God allows the other nations to attack God's people, and they are oppressed. Then that leads the people of God to repentance. They begin to admit that they've uh, sinned against God, and so they return back to God. And then there's great deliverance and peace. God raises up a judge who's going to defeat the enemy and he's going to deliver, or she, as we know about Deborah, she, they are going to deliver God's people. And then the cycle repeats all over again. There's sin, and because of their sin, there's oppression, there's repentance, and there's deliverance, and then they sin again. And so it's repeat, repeat, repeat the cycle that we're going to uh, notice, not only throughout the entire book of Judges, but the Old Testament and even the New Testament and even our personal lives are filled with those cycles. The major themes here in the book of Judges, and by the way, someone once said of the book of Judges that it is despicable people doing despicable things. And so the first major theme is God offering his grace to people who don't deserve it. God offering his grace to people who don't seek it. And God offering his grace who don't even appreciate it once they receive it. So even if that is an accurate summary of the book of Judges, that it is despicable people doing despicable things, we need to remember that it's God's grace who continues to pursue them even though 
they don't seek it, don't appreciate it, even after they've received it. Second major theme is our need for a Savior. We have a need for a Savior that comes forth in this book here of Judges. And it's always that it's God who forgives, always God who helps and delivers, and God sends the people uh, leaders. And in the end, nothing can overcome their tendency, their propensity towards selfishness and pride and rebellion. And so there's this last line found in the book of Judges that says, there was no king in Israel at that time, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So, jo so Judges shows us our sin. It also shows us God's grace and God's compassion, and that salvation is by grace. How does Judges relate to you and me? What's the point? What can we get out of it that we can apply to our lives? Well, the children of Israel were living in a land that was known as a pluralistic society. They were surrounded by other people, other cultures, where uh, there were idol worshipers and people who did not follow God. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds exactly like the city that I live in, San Francisco. And it's not a... Uh, it, it, it's not demeaning towards San Francisco. It's just that the culture that any of us live in, uh, not only a modern-day culture, but even in this uh, original cultural milieu that Judges, uh, the book of Judges is, is written about. So for us, uh, Christians today live in a pluralistic society, constantly finding ourselves uh, being tempted to just assimilate into the culture and do exactly as the culture says that we ought to do and forget who we really are as God's people. And so the pluralistic society invites us to worship the, the gods or the idols of consumerism, the idols of individualism, uh, the idols basically of self to uh, find ourselves choosing to go and assimilate with the culture or to choose to be guided by King Jesus. Well, there's our narrative summary, and as promised, we're going to choose a sample passage uh, today. And our sample passage today is Judges chapter 21, verse 25. It's the last verse in the entire book. And this key line here, let me read it for you. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now that key line that we just read appears four times near the end of the book. And what that means for us is it is extremely important. That, that key line there is incredibly important for us. And I want to look at two major things today. And the first thing is, is that this is not a story of role models. Rather, it's a story of a coming king. So why don't we pray for God to minister to us uh, as we spend this time together in God's word. Let's pray. Father God, we are similar to these people that we're reading about in the Bible. We're a complexity of beauty and brokenness. 
we're uh, quite a paradox. We're quite uh, complex, sometimes not even understanding ourselves, sometimes making promises that we don't ever even fulfill. Help us admit our need for a king like King Jesus. No other king like King Jesus. And help us surrender to his perfect leadership in our lives. Help us turn from false gods and turn back to you, the only living and true God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Not a story of role models. This book, along with uh, other books of the Bible, this is not a story of role models. There's a lot of people trying to summarize the Bible and even tell stories within the Bible as stories that we should try to go and model our lives after, those characters. And what we see here in the book of Judges is that these characters are incredibly flawed. The book of Judges is a dark book. It's a book of tragedy, tragic, chaotic choices that God's people make that are uh, not things that we should follow. Moses' words given to God's people about a hundred years prior in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 8, he says this, you know, everyone is doing what they think is right in their own eyes. And so the invitation that Moses was giving and Joshua, the leader after Moses, ended up giving and now, um, you know, is, is constantly being given to us, this invitation is to follow God and follow God alone, to worship God and to worship God alone. Be faithful to this covenanting God. And yet the reality, the outcome, is Israel's total failure. Israel's total failure to do that. So Judges is a sobering and dark tragedy and explanation of the human condition. There's hope. We're going to get to that hope. But first of all, before we get to that hope, we need to look at how this is not a story of role models. So when Israel stops being faithful to God, the God who rescues them, the same God who rescues them out of Egypt, out of slavery, when Israel stops being faithful to that God, the book of Judges happens. It's gotten really, really bad. There's growing corruption among God's people. There's growing corruption among God's leaders. There's characters. There's even leaders who treat women as possessions and uh, they settle problems with angry outbursts and violence. And these are supposedly the good guys who do that in the story. Chapters 19 through 21 in particular, there's a shocking tales of sexual abuse, violence, which leads Israel to Israel's first civil war. It's, it's, it's utterly disturbing when you read the book of Judges. And so here's some helpful advice when reading the Bible. If you're just getting started in a Bible reading plan or if you're investigating the Bible or if you're a longtime believer and if you've read and reread the Bible uh, on an annual basis, here's a, here's a reminder when reading through the scriptures, that if you look at the character, characters in the Bible as role models, you'll be sorely disappointed. 
you'll be sorely disappointed. If you think that the Bible is uh, a, a divine behavior manual that was sort of dropped from heaven and was to be found by you and found by me and to be picked up so that you could use it as a rule book for life and to look at these characters in the Bible as role models, you're going to be sorely disappointed. You, you're going to, uh, if you read the Bible that, uh, with that concept, you're going to usually end up justifying some of the behavior that you end up seeing in the biblical characters, even when they do things that God does not endorse. Things like polygamy, things like racism, things like classism, things like greed, love of money, the love of position, the love of power, the love of influence. So, so you see, God is actually committed to saving his people, and yet God, all God has to work with are these flawed characters and even these corrupt leaders. So God, in all of his commitment to save his people, he's going to work with even those flawed characters to bring about his story uh, for his glory and for our good. An example of one of these flawed characters we see in the book of Judges is Samson. Samson is a great example of this. Now, if you go survey uh, the available children's books about the story of Samson, you'll discover that all they portray about him that he's some sort of ancient Captain America character who was given divine power to conquer Israel's enemies in the name of their God. But a closer look at Samson, you're going to see a flawed character. You're going to see a violent, sex-craved maniac with absolutely no conflict resolution skills who ends up uh, he dies in uh, blood and glory, getting vengeance on his enemies. What a sad story, sad character. So to read the stories of the Bible in this way, looking for a role model and then determining to be just like that role model, is to, complice, is to completely miss what the author uh, is intending for you to read this book. The author of this book and other biblical book is to help you see that we are those flawed characters. That we're not necessarily looking for a role model, we're looking for a representative. And so the book here of Judges is not offering Ehud, Gideon, and Jephthah, some of the uh, some of the judges that God raises up, they're, they're not being offered to, to people that you should aspire to be like. Verse 25 here, the, the major verse that we're looking at today says, In those days there was no king of Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. They lived in a pluralistic society. You and I live in a pluralistic society. There's a great book that I referred back to this week again. It's called The Gospel in a Pluralistic Society, written by Leslie Newbigin. And in his book, he says, The relativism which is not willing to speak about truth, but only about what is true for me, is an evasion of the serious business of living. It is the mark of a tragic loss of nerve in our contemporary culture. 
It is a preliminary symptom of death. So what Leslie Newbegin is saying is whenever people are just saying that I'm only going to pursue what is true for me is essentially the beginning of death for that person. Verse 25 here, the writer of the book of Judges often uses this phrase, in those days Israel had no king. See, what that means is without God as king, at the throne of your heart and at the throne of your life, our lives are destined to become as disastrous as the characters here in this book of Judges. It's bound to happen. Uh, I'm going to resource right here a, uh, a, a song by a, a hard rock band. I actually really enjoy this hard rock band. Their name is Metallica. And um, one of their songs here, uh, I, I don't um, commend this song per se in some of the, the language, the explicit language that's used, but I'm going to reference it because I think it makes an incredible point. Metallica sings a song called Hardwired. Hardwired, and some of the lyrics, now, and by the way, there's profanity, um, there's profanity that punctuates the point of this song and of our lives here um, in, in this world that there's no hope. There's no hope. And some people uh, living today would, would, would agree with that, that there is no hope. That we're all just a tragic mess. In fact, the, the, the story of humanity is just one utter tragic mess and there's no hope. The beginning of this song from Metallica called Hardwired says, In the name of desperation, in the name of wretched pain, in the name of all creation, gone insane. And then the chorus says, We're so bleeped. Of course, it doesn't use the bleeped. We're so bleeped, bleeped, out of luck, hardwired to self-destruct. And the ending of the song says, All in vain. Do you feel that hope is fading? Do you comprehend? Do you feel it terminating in the end? That's a dark song. It's incredibly dark. It ends with that statement of saying, there, you know, basically there is no hope. We're self, we're, going, we're hardwired to self-destruct. I mean, is that it? Is that where you're coming from? Is that how the story of life ends? Is that the hopelessness that you feel? It is the hopelessness without a king. It is the hopelessness without God. Uh, it's the feeling of countless people, that there is no hope, that we're, that we're totally hardwired to self-destruct. And by the way, that's not a biblical idea. That's not the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible is that we are hardwired to know our Creator and to know God. And it's sin. It's sin that's caused this downward spiral that's gotten us homesick. And it's only this King. It's only this King that can rescue us. And so, if we're all left to do what we think is right in our own eyes, we have no hope. 
I mean, who is it left up to? You you do what you think is right, and I, I'll do what I think is right if, if I'm having a good day, and if you're having a good day, and if we don't change our minds tomorrow about what right even is. Judges shows us how the Israelites have hit rock bottom without a king. They desperately need a king. Judges is sowing the seeds for the need of a king. Now, reading this book is going to bother you. It's going to elicit emotions in you that, 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 and it's going to irritate you as you read this book. In the same way, a news report about something like child sex trafficking would irritate you and bother you. And we're invited to take a deep look inside of ourselves as we look forward to the future hope of God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. See, in that sense, the book of Judges tells us stories from the past in order to give us hope for the future. The book of Judges is, is, is wanting to arouse hope in you and in me that we need, we need a king. See, this is not a story of role models. This is a story of a coming king. Israel's downward spiral into self-destruction is the result of turning away from a God who loves them. Yeah, this, this downward spiral, this self-destruction. And Metallica is going to say that we're hardwired for self-destruction, that we're all basically screwed. But that downward spiral into self-destruction is only the result of, of, of turning away from a God who loves us, turning away from this king. Judges chapter 3 through 16 are stories of this growing corruption among Israel's judges, Israel's leaders, this downward spiral of these judges. They go from being pretty good, yeah, it spirals from the judges being pretty good to being okay, to being bad, to being worse. I mean, it's so sad to watch this downward spiral. To see God's people not even know the character of God anymore. They've forgotten who they are. They've forgotten who this king really is. They've forgotten who this, who this God is. I mean, and notice this repeated theme throughout the book of Judges of God's empowering spirit that's allowing these leaders to accomplish these acts of deliverance. I mean, this is how bad it's actually gotten. You can't even tell the difference between the Israelites and the Canaanites. Israel needs to be rescued again from themselves. That's the major rescue. Yeah, they need a king, not that's going to sort of rescue them from some other sort of uh, political power. That's not their greatest need. They need to be rescued from themselves. Now, whether it's a book like Judges or the ancient Greek tragedies of Euripides, stories about people destroying themselves and those around them can actually um, have immense value on us as readers. 
So we're to read this. We're to read this book looking uh, at these stories so that it might arouse hope in us. I mean, think of the epic Godfather trilogy in the 1970s. Think of the grisly Breaking Bad TV sensation. I mean, these stories give us a close study of how a person slowly, slowly starts making choices of moral compromise that leads to greater and greater consequences. I mean, almost no one starts out in life planning on self-ruin. Almost no one starts out in life de deciding, you know what, I, I, I'm totally going to go wide open, full throttle, in the wrong direction, uh, against myself, against humanity, against God, in a downward spiral. I mean, but yet, how does, how, how does one reach a place where destructive life choices become habit. It's not overnight. It's not overnight. It's usually through a complex matrix of decisions and influences. And sadly, we're not often aware that we're participating in our own demise. That's what's really sad. I mean, Isaiah chapter 5, one of the prophets that we're going to be looking at, Weeks from now, as we get to that book of the Bible, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 5, the prophet Isaiah said, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The prophet Isaiah is, is, is warning those people who, who are doing what they think is wise in their own eyes. The only glimmer of hope, the only glimmer of hope here in the book of Judges uh, is this last line of the book, this verse that we're looking at today, that in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes, points out our need for a king, our need for God's grace to send a king who will rescue his people. And so, as we think about the Old Testament, where we're going to see prophets and a priest and kings, all of those prophets, priests, and kings are going to come up short. They're going to come up short because it's only in the New Testament when we meet this promised Messiah, King Jesus. He's going to be a priest like none other. He's going to be a, the Old Testament is going to set up the need for a priest to be a mediator between us and God. And the Old Testament is going to set up a need for a prophet who truly knows the mind and the heart of God. And the Old Testament is also going to set up a need for a king who's going to save us from ourselves. So Judges is sowing the seeds for the need for this Messiah and this future hope of the Messiah, King Jesus. So Judges is pointing towards King David, King David, whom we'll be talking about weeks from now, and even beyond King David to the promised Messiah King from the line of David. Jesus is more than a role model. 
As king, Jesus is a representative, doing for us what we could never do ourselves. So verse 25, everyone did what was right in his own eyes. I think of Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, that book of wisdom that says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. Also in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. So see, instead of submitting to God, the Israelites embraced individual autonomy. Each person became a law unto themselves and and, and widespread evil resulted. Hey, you go and do what you want to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm doing what's right in my eyes. You're doing what's right in your eyes. And according to scripture, ethics are not determined by the self. You're not left up to yourself to go and figure out what you think is right. But it's the Lord. It's it's God who's king of your life that decides what's right and what's wrong. That's where this term sola scriptura came from. The Latin words there meaning scripture alone. It's scripture alone, God's word, the Bible alone. God himself alone determines what is the absolutes for our conduct. That's where our ethics come from. That's where our moral standard comes from. So the Bible doesn't prescribe doing what's right in your own eyes, but rather doing what's right in the eyes of God. So radical individualism, radical individualism, uh, rejecting the standard of God's word and following our own passions. I just named one of our modern day um, idols. And basically it's self. It's to say that I'm the God of my own life. I want to be incredibly, radically individualistic. I'm going to choose what's right for me. Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 says, The human heart, the human heart is more deceitful than all else. Who can trust it? So spiritual anarchy is what we're looking for. It's what the Israelites are looking for here in the book of Judges, spiritual anarchy. And the irony here regarding spiritual anarchy is that the anarchy begins to rule us. We we begin to get ruled by our own lustful and, and passionate desires. So it's only God himself, the Holy Spirit, as John chapter 16 describes, that can bring about true conviction about this and true repentance, true turning from this. And so freedom doesn't give us the right to do whatever we please whenever we want to do it. True freedom and true spiritual and moral freedom is to do what pleases God. And to be given a a new identity. That's what it means to be a Christian. You've been given a new nature, a new new identity. Certainly flawed. 
certainly still going to fail at, at following God and obeying God, yet there's a new desire that's given to you by God and the Holy Spirit leads you in that direction. I mean, every pilot, uh, I, I have a pilot uh, friend and you may know a pilot, but my pilot friend has told me before that one of the most basic, fundamental, easy lessons that they are taught at the beginning of their flight school is that and in an air traffic control zone, you do not do what seems best in your eyes. <laughs> you do what the control tower tells you. So it's, it's a decision of submission. It's not doing what you think is right in your own eyes. It's submission. It's a submission of the will and the heart. And Romans chapter 8 tells us what it's like when the Spirit of God who comes into the life of a person, that person's a Christian now and they're a God follower and the Spirit enables you, gives you a new freedom and a new power to surrender and to be enabled by God to obey. What God's people mainly need is not a king who can rescue them from some political power, rescue them from their political enemies, but a king who can rescue them, them from themselves. I mean, the point, the point of the book of Judges is as much as a human judge to deliver, deliver Israel is a great provision of God, it's not enough. It's not enough. The one thing a human judge cannot do is deliver Israel from Israel. We don't need to be just delivered from outside temptation. We need to be delivered from ourselves. Our problem is our heart. Our problem is that we are a wanderer. I love the uh, verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 where Peter's warning us about this. He says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your souls. Peter's agreeing, don't just do what you think is right in your own eyes. See, sin is not only out there somewhere, but it's waging war at your own soul. I love that old hymn. I love that old hymn that says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. In conclusion, Judges is a cry for another judge, another king that will come and has the power to deliver us from us. And that my wandering will never end until I am finally rescued from me. Israel continues to need judge after judge after judge because what they actually need cannot be provided by a human judge. There's a judge to come. There's a king that's coming that has life and death in his hands and can offer us true, 
abundant life, not just rescue from sin externally, but rescue from sin eternally. The application here, as we close, is to hand the throne of your life over to God, the true king. Hand over the throne of your life to God, the the true king. Why don't we pray and, and ask God for help to do that right now? Father God, rescue us from the vicious cycle of doing what we think is right in our own eyes. Instead, be enthroned, King Jesus, in our hearts and lives. We ask this in your name. Amen.